very kind. Love you, dude. Well, friends, it is such a joy to be with you. I mean, you guys sing here together every week, but it is very good to sing with you this morning. It was just good for my soul. And it's an honor to be here. I'm grateful. I'm grateful to have this opportunity to visit from Vancouver. My wife, Rach, and I and our three kids moved to Vancouver in 2019 with a dream with some friends of planting a church in September of 2020. However, (laughs) right? (laughs) However, we didn't know then that there would be a pandemic. And there was this moment in March of 2020. You all felt it. I know your business, your family, your friends, your church, every one of us affected by it. We're running outreach, we're doing small groups, we're doing alpha, reaching people far from God meeting in person, all of a sudden the restrictions hit, and we had this moment. Like, are we meant to keep going? Like, maybe we should just redesign this thing, you know? Like, maybe September 2020 is not a good launch date. But then that moment shifted really quickly to perspective. And the perspective was this. (laughs) That was for effect. The perspective change was this. God wasn't surprised. And maybe he set the whole thing up. And the last almost two years has been the most stunning season of ministry for me in life. Planting a church in Vancouver. I've got some friends here, Aaron and Josh, who are part of our team and are visiting with us. It's just been amazing as God, in the midst of unlikely circumstances, has built a church in an unlikely city like Vancouver. And then I find myself here this weekend. So grateful for Pastor Brent and Nicole, their friendship and the whole team here, their hospitality for having me. I was originally invited out to go speak at a youth conference. I didn't even know they still did those anymore, but turns out they're still happening. And it was such a joy. We came into Hamilton and then they took us from Hamilton to Niagara and then Niagara to Mississauga. And in every single city, there's a thousand high school students gathering to worship, go after God. I've never seen so many hands go up in response. Like it was... It was amazing, and and it would make sense if you, like me, find yourself often praying for the next generation. We need to pray for the next generation. But last night, I just had a sense in my heart, and I was praying, God, I pray that in this generation, you would raise up Whitfields and Wesleys and Billy Grahams. And as students were responding and praying for one another, I just had the sense that God is doing a new thing in the next generation. There's lots of reason to hope and have great hope. I'm full of hope for the church in Canada. And for me, my heart, like I think about Canada all the time. I think about our nation. It's a big nation. It's, a, it's, a, it's, 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 it's wide. There's people all over. It's a diverse nation. It's a great nation. It's broken in so many ways, but I think God's got a plan for this nation. And then when I find myself at a church here and I meet so many amazing leaders, I'm just reminded that God has scattered his people all over this nation. And so what you're doing for me is giving me great hope. I'm gonna get on a plane later today. I'm gonna go back to Vancouver where I'm called. And I'm going to land and I'm going to see the city. I'm going to pray for the city. I'm going to say, God, thank you that you called me to Vancouver. I pray you bless this city. But as I leave the city, I'm going to say, thank you, God, that you put these people, each one of you, so that he scattered you like salt and light in this city. He knew just what he was doing to put you here, the city church in Mississauga, in this time of history for his purposes. And just worshiping you gives me hope for what God is doing in our time. I want to speak this morning on the theme of perseverance. 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 I want to talk about perseverance. I want to answer two specific questions. First, how does perseverance fit into the Christian life? 
Like what role does perseverance play in the Christian life? Is it even part of it? Second question, similar but different. How is Christian perseverance unique? Like, is, how is Christian perseverance different than someone who might persevere? Because the human, like humans are able of great perseverance, aren't we? Like, it's stunning. My friend Melissa is a NICU doctor at Vancouver Children's Hospital. She takes the sickest babies, prematurely born, and these little lives know how to grow. I mean, the human spirit, the human body is capable of great perseverance. I think about the over million refugees from Ukraine right now scattered over the world. And you know what? We serve them, we support them. I'm grateful for churches around the world who are sending resources and welcoming them. But we can have great hope that people are capable of persevering. You meet children. Recently, I was at a, an event with pastors and this man came up to me after. I said, tell me your story. He goes, I was a refugee for 10 years, full of joy, full of life. Perseverance, amazing, amazing work. And so humans are capable of great perseverance, but what does it mean to persevere uniquely in Christ? And what we discover, what I hope we feel today, is that in Jesus, we find unique resources to persevere on earth. In Jesus, we find unique resources from heaven to follow him and his ways on earth. And the text we're gonna look at is in Hebrews chapter 12. And all you need to know to understand this passage of scripture going in is that Hebrews is a letter written to Christians in the first century. And it's really helpful to remember that. Whether you've been to church before or not, Christians in the first century, you can all understand this contextually together, Christians in the first century had a tough go. It wasn't popular to be a Christian. There's a lot of persecution involved. For some of these Christians, they lost their jobs. They lost their families. They were rejected. A great cultural pressure against it. And so we have this note from a pastor. It's a, the, the book of Hebrews is almost like a sermon in writing. And the preacher of Hebrews wants to encourage the church and I believe by the Holy Spirit, even encourage us today to persevere, to not give up. So read with me Hebrews chapter 12. I'll read from verses one through three, and then all we're gonna do is just move through it one by one and unpack what it might say for us today. Is that all right? You guys doing okay? Yeah. It's so, you guys are the best. It's so good to be with you. Here's what it says. It says, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Let me pray. Jesus, I pray in these minutes together, just as you inspired the preacher of Hebrews to pen these words, I pray, living spirit, that you come and bring them to life in our hearts today. And for each of my brothers and sisters here that are on the edge of giving up in whatever area of their life, I pray that we'd find fresh conviction in you to carry on in you, to persevere in you. Holy Spirit, you're here. We want more of you. Would you come? Fill this place with your love, your power. Fill our hearts afresh. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let me just give you a basic definition of perseverance. Perseverance is not giving up 
even in the face of difficulties and setbacks. Perseverance is like when you're going in a direction, you hit a wall, you know, you keep going anyways. Perseverance is when you're going in a direction and there's distractions to the right or to the left, you keep on going straight. Perseverance is keeping on going even in the midst of setbacks, obstacles, being tired, distracted. It's like, I'm gonna keep on going. I don't have time to tell this story, but I'll do it really, really fast. I remember in high school, I went to Terry Fox Secondary School. You know, you might have probably heard of Terry Fox. He's this incredible hero who ran across the country on one leg to raise money for cancer research. Cancer would eventually take his life, but people have been running the, the race ever since for him. And it's deeply personable for me because my brother over the last five years has been fighting brain cancer. He's doing amazing, but it's a deeply personal thing to get out there and run with my brother. And I went to Terry Fox Secondary School, and I remember um, one year, um, in grade 12, I decided I wanted to do the Terry Fox run. And it's only 10 kilometers, but I hadn't trained for it. And so about a kilometer into it, I start getting that pain in here. You know that one you get when you run and you haven't for some time? I got a big nod from my brother over here. Thanks, dude. He's like, oh yeah, I know what you're talking about. And um, interesting that my friend Andrew, who I was running with, his house was on the path of the race. And so he's like, why don't we just tuck in there real quick? So we're running and I'm like, ah. And then we just take a sharp left down his driveway into his house, okay? That is not perseverance. Are you with me? We go out the back door, literally after having pizza, we go out the back door, walk to the end of the finish line, call it a day. Fast forward 10 years later, okay? And now I'm running it, but my brother's running it. And my brother's got a red shirt on because they give red shirts to cancer survivors. And listen, I'm in worse shape than I've been before, okay? I get to the same place where I pass Andrew's house, same spot, and I remember, this is where I quit, like 10 years earlier. But then out in front of me is Kevin in his red shirt. And I just see this picture of perseverance. He's been perseverance in the midst of chemotherapy, radiation. And all of a sudden I decide I'm gonna keep on going. Even though I wanted to quit, I wanna keep on going. And that's perseverance. And check this out, perseverance, and listen, that's not impressive perseverance. That's like baseline perseverance, okay? Just so we're clear, some of you, what we're gonna talk about is real perseverance. It's just an example, just baseline perseverance. But here's the thing about perseverance that you need to know. This is what you need to know. Perseverance starts when you want to quit. Think about that. Think about that. It's not perseverance when it's going really well. Like think about temptation. Perseverance starts when everything inside of you wants to do the thing that's not right. It's not persevering against temptation when there's no temptation in front of you. It's not persevering in prayer when it feels like I can't, I can't just help but pour out praise in prayer. Perseverance starts the moment you want to quit. And here's the thing. Any vision of Christianity without dynamics of perseverance at work is inconsistent with the biblical vision and the first century experience of following Jesus. Any vision or idea of Christianity that doesn't include perseverance is inconsistent with the vision of Christianity in the New Testament. Like I said, for the first followers of Jesus, just to follow Jesus meant great persecution, great cultural pu pushback, great cost. We see it modeled in Jesus, who gave his life. We see it modeled in the apostles, who gave their lives. We see it all through church history. Following Jesus involves perseverance. Listen to all these different correspondence in the New Testament. In Romans, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. 
Colossians chapter one, Paul prays that we would be strengthened so that we might have endurance and patience. Galatians chapter six, let us not become weary in doing good. Don't become weary in doing good. Some of you are here this morning and my word for you is don't give up in doing good. My friend Jeremy texted me this week. He says, I'm praying for you. And he goes, I feel like my word for you is, Jay, don't stop doing what is right. God's gonna give the harvest in his timing. What a kind word from a friend. He was quoting Galatians, saying don't give up in doing good for at just the right time. You're gonna reap a harvest, you don't give up. Why is Paul telling the church in Galatia not to give up? Because they wanted to. James, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. Second Thessalonians, never tire in doing what is good. Second Corinthians, stand firm. Endure, stand firm. Don't give up, persevere. And so the writer of Hebrews, the preacher of Hebrews says, run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. What's this race? What's the race? When the preacher of Hebrews says, run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, what's the race? Now, it's really important that we know, scripture points this reality that God has unique plans and purposes for each of our lives. Isn't that amazing? It's like stunning. Like God could have just done it all generic, you know, like just, just random. But like design each of us unique, unique gifts and abilities and perspectives. And he lays out unique plans for our lives. It's a beautiful thing. And so on one level, this could be about that unique race, like finding our unique purpose in life. And I think on one level it's about that. But it's also about something way more universal for followers of Jesus. The race of faith isn't an abstract thing or just something that's unique just to one person. The race of faith is following the way of Jesus every day of our lives. It's the race of faith, faith in Jesus, every day, Jesus, sending our lives around Jesus, modeling our lives around Jesus. That's the race. Wherever you are, whatever city you find you're in, whatever job you have, the race is in any circumstance, follow the way of Jesus. That's the race. It's the race of faith, keeping our faith in Jesus, placing our trust in Jesus, orienting our lives around Jesus, and building our lives on the teaching of Jesus. That's the race marked out for us. And the preacher of Hebrews says we need to run that race with perseverance. And I like the word race. You know, it's kind of cool. It's kind of inspiring. But I did a little bit of work figuring out what this word race comes from. And the word translated to race here is the word agon, which sounds like another word, doesn't it? Agony. The apostle, I mean, the, the preacher of Hebrews is saying, run the agony marked out for you. What? That's less encouraging. Listen to this. What would have come to mind for the first century listeners would be the pentathlon. Do you know the pentathlon? Here's how the pentathlon goes. You do long jump. Like, that sounds fun. Then javelin, okay. Then discus, then a run. And then everyone would fight each other. That's the pentathlon. And that's what the preacher of Hebrews is saying the race of faith is like. It's like, what? Run the pentathlon of faith laid out for you. Run the agony of faith laid out for you. Now listen, the race of faith is not about beating others. That's not the point. But the point is, it takes discipline. It comes with a cost, and there's a great reward. The race of faith comes with great cost, requires perseverance. Sometimes we've been tricked into believing of a Christianity that doesn't involve suffering or pain or it being difficult to do its right or challenging to pray and persevere. 
But the picture we have in the Bible is a preacher saying to the church, don't give up even when it feels like a pentathlon. Don't give up even when it feels like agony. Keep on going. Keep on running. There's a great reward. And I just want to give a few examples really quickly of different areas in our life of faith that take perseverance. Now, we could make a very long list. If we had the whole afternoon, we could go into different areas. You might have some that come to mind. But let me just give you a few examples that come to mind. I mentioned already temptation. What does it feel like to persevere against temptation? Like in that moment, like I feel like if I could talk to a younger version of myself, I'd say, Jason, I'd say there's going to be moments of temptation And what I want you to do is I want you to persevere. Don't give up. Sometimes it'll feel like a fight just to do the right thing. Sometimes you'll be with groups of friends and they'll be having a conversation and they'll be putting someone down. You're gonna be tempted to go with the flow. They're gonna be watching content. You're gonna be scrolling on your phone. You're gonna be tempted just to click the next thing. And Jason, I would say young Jason, just so you know, it's not gonna feel easy. You see, sometimes we think Christianity feels like floating. It's like, no, it feels like perseverance. My friend, um, Tyler, went through a really hard season of his life, found him caught up in porn addiction, deeply caught up in porn addiction. And he had this moment of coming to his senses. He's like, I'm just, I need to, I'm not doing this anymore. Some friends were actually praying for him. They were having a fire in his backyard. We were, I was living in a city called Langley at the time. Some of the properties, you can do that, it's safe. It's not urban setting, it's okay, it's safe. They're having a fire in the backyard and they're praying together and he runs into the house. He comes back with his laptop and his iPad, he throws it on the ground, he grabs an ax, he starts beating it with an ax. He's like, I'm taking this seriously. He's literally physically destroying the things. And some people might think like, well, that's a little bit of an overreaction. I'm like, I don't know. This is somebody who's taking serious the race of faith. Because what does it feel like to persevere? Like, well, let's just use some other examples. Like, what about unity in the church? We love talking about unity in church. We need to be a unified church. A divided world needs a united church, amen? I mean, one of the ways in this politically divided moment we can be a counterculture for the common good is to be unified in the midst of political division. But I wanna ask you this question, what does it feel like to persevere in unity? Some of you felt it. What does it feel like when in the midst of politically anxious moments there's people in the church that believe different things than you? vote differently than you, interact with the mandates different than you? What does it feel like in that moment? Perseverance. It's not floating through. I'm fighting for unity. I'm fighting for unity with my brothers and sisters in Christ. Man, in this moment, unity might feel like perseverance, but let's be unified in Christ. Let's be unified in Christ. Let's keep going, what else? What about persevering in the midst of suffering? One of my dear friends is going through the worst of it right now. Like just as painful as life can get, he's going through some of that stuff, you know? Just breaks my heart. And um, he was hanging out with one of our mutual friends and our mutual friend said, uh, hey bro, I know you're going through hell right now and I'm sorry. And my friend just really, um, really kindly said, like, I know what you mean, but I just want you to know I'm not going through hell because hell's a place where God is not. And I'm not alone. I'm being held together right now by God. I mean, that's Christian perseverance. Going through hell, but it's like, I'm not in hell. 
the Lord's with me? What about even in praying for your loved ones? I bet there's a mom and a dad here. You've been praying for a son and daughter for a long time. And I'm here to say, don't give up. God hears your prayers. Don't give up in prayer. What about even in spiritual disciplines? Just talk about the basics. What does it feel like to wake up in the morning and pray? What does it look like to read scripture? What does it look like to fast, to Sabbath? What does that feel like? It's like, I thought when I'd wake up to pray and read the Bible, it would just feel amazing. But most mornings I wake up, I'm just like, oh, why? Why is, it, why is it so bright out? And like, I just want to keep sleeping. And my children, I know they're going to be awake any moment. And like, it's like, I, didn't, I thought it was going to feel better to wake up early and pray. And I just realized that I just wanted to tell you, like, waking up early to pray and read your Bible, which is good for us, could feel like perseverance. And the first century church understood this. And we need to understand this today. Don't give up. Keep on going. Some of you guys, you just... It's super simple. Get back up again. Keep praying. Keep seeking God. Keep standing up against temptation. Some of you have given into temptation so many times, like, I'm not even going to try anymore. And God brought you here today to say, let's try again. I'm with you. You're not alone. Should we keep going? Okay, so Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 to 3, wants to give us resources for perseverance. And it's doing it in three ways. First, the writer of Hebrews, the preacher, wants to encourage us. And then second, the preacher wants to protect us from stumbling in the race. And then third, give us the key to running the race well. Just three things. Wants to help us persevere. Wants to give us resources. So first, he encourages us. And how does he encourage us? He says this. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. What's the cloud of witnesses? Cloud just means like host. It's a group of people who are witnesses. What does a witness do? A witness is somebody who's experienced it before or has firsthand evidence. It's a witness, like think about witness on trial. They said, I have information about what actually happened. They witnessed, they testify to it. And so the writer of Hebrews wants us to see that there's a cloud, like there's a host, there's a group of witnesses who have done the race of faith before. And it's not a mystery who he's talking about because you can look in chapter 11 and there's a list of all of these men and women who have gone before who ran the race of faith in their generation. Let me say this really clearly. They ran the race of faith in their generation imperfectly. These are broken and flawed people, yet they kept on going. That's really important. These are very broken and flawed people, but there's something about even in your brokenness and being flawed that says, I'm not even nailing the race of faith, but I'm gonna keep on going in Christ. And so he names people like Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph. And you see this picture of like the baton being passed, the baton of faith from one generation to another. Can you see that? As the writer of Hebrews, the preacher's going, there's a cloud in cosmic history of men and women who have been following God in every generation for thousands of years and they're passing the baton and they counted the cost in their generation. Like they took the hits and they found God faithful. And they're saying, we can testify. And so the picture is a cloud of witnesses leaning over heaven saying to you and I today, you are up. It's your turn. And not only are they saying you're up and it's your turn, they're saying it's worth it. 
We ran the race, broken, flawed, but he found God to be faithful and he'll be faithful to finish what he starts in you. And that cloud of witnesses is meant to encourage us. Like we're meant to live today. Like me as I preach, you as you parent and go to work tomorrow, whatever you might do, loving your neighbor, all of the things, waking up to praise. Like, man, I am up. It's my moment in history. God placed me here and the cloud of witness says it's worth it. Have you ever wondered if it's all worth it? I have. Serving God, trying to do what's right when it feels like the people who are doing what's wrong get ahead. Is it worth it? They're saying it's worth it. It's worth it. So he writes to encourage us, but he also writes to protect us. He says that since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, throw off everything that hinders. So this is where the preacher is getting practical. Saying, hey, there's one thing that's going to derail the race of faith, and it's sin. He says, throw off everything that hinders. Like, anything that gets in your way, throw it off. Like, I think about, like, I watched a documentary about, like, professional cyclists one time. And they're so serious about anything that caused, like, wind drift that they'll even, like, shave their arms, you know, shave their legs. Because the hair slows them down, like, a fraction of a second every kilometer. But when that's built out over hundreds of kilometers, it makes a difference on the race. That's the picture of someone who's serious about anything that slows them down. What would happen if we began to ask ourselves, is there anything in my life right now that's slowing me down on the race of faith? Could you just take a moment and ask yourself that question? Because the writer of Hebrews is just like, throw off anything that entangles, especially the sin. And it's, it's just, and it so easily entangles. There's no guilt and shame here. I'm not trying to make anyone feel guilty or shame. No, nothing like that. There's liberty here. It's an invitation to be free. Is there anything slowing you down, tripping you out? Throw it off. I know it's not that simple, but begin to throw it off. Bring it to the light. Tell someone you trust about it. Talk to the Lord about it afresh. Come get prayer. Throw it off. And there's lots of examples I could give, but I just think about, like, I want you to see how these things, like, how sin can compromise us from our purposes. So if, if, if it's okay, I'll just use myself as an example. I feel like one of my purposes is to use my speech to build people up. I think, I'm, I think I'm meant to use my words to build life in people, not just in stages. Like, I'm, I'm meant to, to, like, speak into people's lives and just encourage them. To, like, see a friend, family member, someone from my church, and just speak life into them. So I feel like that's my purpose. It's one of my purposes. And um, I just want to show you how, like, sin can derail your purposes. And so if I find myself, which I do sometimes, like, prone to, like, gossip or slander, or exaggeration, or sarcasm. Over time, people can begin to wonder if they can trust the words that I'm saying. And so all of a sudden, like the very thing I was meant to do with my words is to build people up. But then sin can like derail that purpose. And as I'm saying this, I'm not covered in guilt or shame. I'm, I'm thankful that that can be illuminated. I just think about why like sexual sin and pornography or lying and stealing, or love of money. It comes like, some of you, you're just, you're meant to, to build wealth and give it away. But when we close our hands on things and we fall in love with money, what it can do for us, it derails our calling. You were meant to be a, a, a conduit of generosity and blessing. 
And each of you, you've got unique gifts and purposes, and our sin can entangle us and stop us from running the race marked out for us. And ultimately, we can find ourselves in a place with our walk with Jesus, where it's so foggy in sin that we don't know where to begin again. And I wonder if for some people, today's a reset. It's a reset. To say, God, forgive me for all that sin that entangles. Set me free. And then lastly, the writer of Hebrews wants us to give, wants to give us the key to running the race well. Do you hear it in the text? What's the key? Like for the preacher, what's the key to perseverance? I'll, I'll read the text again, you'll hear it. So it says, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And then here's the key, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Do you hear the language? Fix your eyes on Jesus. Consider him. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Consider him. You can buy a hundred books that say the way to get ahead in life is to look inside, to find it inside of you. And there's resources inside of you, for sure. Amazing resources, but not enough. Not enough to run the race of faith. This is an amazing invitation. Because you know how crushing it is to look inside to find the resources and to find that it's not enough? This is the liberty of the gospel. That forgiveness of sin, freedom from sin, life and life to the fullest is not something we have to carry on our own shoulders. Jesus bore our sins. He inaugurated the new era of the kingdom of God. And he says, every one of you is invited to be part of it. So the writer of Hebrews says, don't look inside. Don't look at how hard the race is. Look at Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Consider him. Fix your eyes on Jesus. And he uses this amazing language. He says, fix your eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. One translation puts it this way. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the one on whom your faith depends from the beginning to the end. This is interesting. Because I think in a church like this, we're used to the language of we cannot earn salvation on our own. Like when it comes to our salvation, it's all on Jesus. But he's not just the pioneer of our faith, he's the perfecter of our faith. Jesus doesn't like leave us on our own to figure out the rest of the Christian life with us. He gives us his Holy Spirit. He walks alongside us. He ran the race that we could not. And he gives us mercy and grace when we fall. He's the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. There's an author named Dallas Willard and he put it this way. He says, he says grace is not opposed to effort. It's opposed to earning. Can I say that again? Grace, the grace of Jesus. It's not opposed to effort. Perseverance is effort, but it's opposed to earning. Don't misunderstand me this morning. What we're not talking about is earning something before God. What we're talking about is persevering in light of his grace. So you fix our eyes on Jesus. You see him. You know what you see in Jesus? You see love in his eyes. And it says, even considered him who endured opposition, scorning the shame. Even imagine Jesus on the cross, the preacher is saying. Picture him, because here's what you see. He died for my sins. He paid my debt. Because here's what happens when you run the race long enough and you fall, you get back up. You run the race, you fall, you get back up. Eventually, you know what you say? I've messed up too many times. I can't do this. But then if you see Jesus and you see the grace in his eyes and you remember that my sin has been dealt with on the cross, he's forgiven me. He's given me new life. 
all of a sudden you go, even though I've fallen again, I can get back up. It's an amazing picture. Consider him. And this is one of the most amazing things. One of the most amazing things we get to do as humans is give our attention to something. Do you know that every moment of the day we get to choose what we give our attention to? We get to choose. And do you also know that there are billions of dollars spent by incredible marketers to take your attention? So one of the great battles of your life this week is to give your attention to Jesus. That's why we're here this morning. That's why church is so important. We come together as friends and family. We go, let's turn our eyes back on Jesus. We can even begin to do that now. Turn your eyes on him, see him. Just gaze in your heart at Jesus. Consider him who endured opposition, but didn't give up. And then the writer of Hebrews says, and now he's seated at the right hand of the throne of God. He defeated sin and he's now in the place of authority. He holds you in the palm of his hand and the whole universe. He's got authority over sin, death, and the devil. He's in control. Fix your eyes on him and you will not grow weary and lose heart. How do you persevere? How do you find resources from heaven for life on earth? Fix your eyes on Jesus. Always, only Jesus. Eyes on Jesus. Eyes on Jesus. As we worship and respond this morning, there's lots of ways that we can respond. We can respond in confession. We can respond in praise. Respond in prayer. We wanna make space for that. The worship team, you can come and join me anytime. I wanna make some space to pray. I just wanna share one last thing, one last picture, and then I'm gonna pray. Is that okay? Because I've been trying to just find a picture that captures this idea of perseverance, like Christian perseverance, that tries to capture this idea of grace and effort, you know? And um, there's a, a good friend of mine named Jason. I'm Jason, he's my friend Jason. And uh, he's 25 years sober right now. He found himself heavily addicted to drugs and went to a rehabilitation center called Wagner Hills. It's a Christian rehabilitation center in Langley, just outside of Vancouver. And uh, 25 years later, he's the president of Wagner Hills. It's amazing, he's one of my best friends. It's amazing, it's an amazing ministry. And they have about 30 men and 30 women at two different sites. And these are all men and women who have experienced addiction, most of which to drugs or alcohol. And they found themselves at the end of themselves. And anyone who's experienced addiction, almost all of us know somebody who's caught up in addiction or maybe you have it personally. It, it really, it doesn't just hurt your own life, it hurts especially those that love you most. It, it's just devastating on families and the things that addiction does, causes you to do. And so every couple of weeks, a new person enrolls at Wagner Hills. They say, I'm leaving this life of addiction. And to go to Wagner Hills is pretty intense. Like you give up a lot of things. Like it's not like it's like a no kind of compromise kind of environment. You gotta give up smoking, everything. You gotta subscribe to a schedule. There's counseling, there's prayer. You work, you're in community. It's really hard. You kind of like lay down all of your rights and you go into this environment. I just wanna ask this question to you. When a man or a woman goes to Wagner Hills or to a recovery center like that, are they giving up? No. It's the opposite, right? It's like, it's the opposite of giving up. Giving up would be like, well, I've been addicted for years. I've already wrecked so much of my life. What's the point? So it's, they're not giving up, but they're letting go. Because when they go, they're like, I can't do it on my own. 
I can't do this on my own. They throw themselves on the grace of God, on community, on people around them. So here's what I've discovered. There's a letting go that's not giving up. That's Christian perseverance. And that's actually the posture we live every day as a follower of Jesus. God, I God, I can't do this without you, but I'm not giving up. I'm letting go of doing this on my own strength. Listen, you can't do it on your own strength. You can't run this Christian life on your own strength. So I'm letting go, but I'm not giving up. I'm not giving into sin, temptation. I'm gonna follow you every day of my life. There's a letting go that's not giving up. Let's pray together. Holy Spirit, I pray you'd come right now. And God, you'd give us the liberty and joy of letting go, not giving up. We're here this morning, we're saying we can't do it on our own strength, but we wanna follow you with our lives. We wanna follow you with our lives. And so Holy Spirit, would you come? We're just gonna wait, just before we start singing, we're just gonna give like a moment just to wait and just encourage you wherever you're at. We can maybe even open up your hands before God as like a posture of receiving. You just pray, come Holy Spirit, whatever you wanna do in my heart. Holy Spirit, I just pray across this room from the front to back, from one end to the other, that you begin to move in this place. Convict our hearts. Move in our hearts. Whatever you want to do, Holy Spirit. Just begin to invite the Holy Spirit into areas of your life where you feel like you're persevering right now. Maybe there's an area where you've kind of given up or you've settled. You settled. But this morning you want to say, God, I can't do it on my own, but I'm not going to give up. I'm letting go and doing it on my own strength. I can't do it alone, but I'm not giving up. Come Holy Spirit, fill us afresh. I just want to remind you in this moment, if you're kind of feeling the weight of something, fix your eyes on Jesus, see him. Fix your eyes on Jesus. That's where you find the strength. That's where the example is. That's where the grace is. That's where the, see the love in his eyes. Holy Spirit, would you come and would you fill our hearts afresh with the love of God? Pour out your love into our hearts. God, give us courage and conviction to follow you in this world. God, give us courage and conviction to persevere in you, to run the race of faith. Therefore, since today we're all surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let's throw off everything that hinders, especially that sin that so easily entangles. And brothers and sisters, let's run with perseverance, the race of faith that Jesus has marked out for us. And this morning, let's fix our eyes on him. Let's turn our eyes on Jesus. He's the pioneer and perfecter of faith. I mean, it depends on him from the beginning to the end. Remember that for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He persevered, scorned its shame. But now he sits down at the right hand of the throne of God, all authority. So consider him. Bring him to mind. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Let's worship together as we respond.